All right, here we go. Time to talk Dynasty. The Apple Plus TV series, docu-series, is now six episodes in. There are just four to go. Two more Fridays. Seven more sleeps till you get the next two episodes. Um, and this week, Andy, we were hit with two episodes. I believe episode five is called Lost Season, and episode six was At Any Cost. Um, basically, uh, the episodes are, for better or worse, uh, forget, we're not even worried about the titles, even though we've been told recently that they matter in Foxborough. Episode, episode five is the season after Spygate, where, of course, Tom Brady uh, has his uh, ACL hit by that no-good son-of-a-bitch Bernard Pollard in the first game. It's a lost season. It's the Matt Castle season. I found this episode to be very interesting on a number of levels and, and actually an enjoyable watch, although it was still frustrating at times. Uh, and then episode six is a very difficult watch. It's an emotional watch, and people have strong feelings about it as well, many of which think that the series is focusing too much on scandals and uh, the negative aspect, if you will. I My big takeaway, Andy, is that you focus on these things like Spygate, like Aaron Hernandez, because it's mesmerizing to me that the New England Patriots were able to keep up a dynasty for 20 years and have a double dynastic run in the face of the two biggest football cheating scandals, even if we think they were garbage of the last 40 years, and somebody being accused of three murders and convicted of one. Yeah, I mean, this has to be a big part. Like, this is not yes. football story. This is massive sports story in history. I sent you a photo um, which really brought it into light for me during the practice footage, the Aaron Hernandez saga, when Tom Brady's throwing a pass on the practice field to Aaron Hernandez. And in coverage, we have Sergio Brown. Um, there were two alleged Awful. murderers on the practice field on a singular, like one visual 38 blue, 85 in white right next to each other. Like, yeah, you don't think the edit, you don't think the editors knew what they were doing there. I don't know if they did or didn't. And they wanted to, didn't want to like, a lot going on there, but yes, um, the reality is as much as some of us don't like some of the football that's left out, some of the, you know, fast tracking of Super Bowls or details from the AFC title game in 01, like special teams was left out of that. That game was really all about special teams. Why is it about Drew? Well, we're making a movie and we're weaving a narrative here and we're, we're doing some thematic things. Right. Um, and the reality is that the Aaron Hernandez saga is one of the most interesting sagas in the history of, of all of sports, any level, anything it's, it's, it's that dramatic and it deserved its time. And it was interesting when you watch it and the, the interviews I continue to say are the best part of this documentary. They like a lot of these guys nailed the hell out of it. Dion branch working his way through his relationship with Chico, how about the pathos of like, like, I think uh, at least we didn't talk on the pod last week about it, but uh, over the weekend on the radio talking about how, how good I heard you talk with Cadillac. I spoke with John Lyons about how good freaking Scott Pioli was as the emotional centerpiece, as the narrator, dramatic. if you will, <laughs> a little dramatic, but like that whole drug thing that he talked about, like it yep. wasn't about the joy of winning. It became a relief because we were addicted to winning in that year. And we had a point to prove thought that was tremendous. Dion branch. Uh, I, I thought was unbelievable. Like he feels like he effed up. Like he should have, he wanted to fix and save him and save the team. And he couldn't like, what a great person to choose as your overall focal point for this episode. Um, tying it all together in one Jersey number numbers, 83 early. It was Dion branch. He came back with a different number than Wes Welker was 83. Both of those guys knew exactly what Aaron Hernandez was. And then they saw this. I mean, Wes Welker is like, Bill, why are you, 
like clearly Bill sold his soul to Aaron Hernandez on the practice field, not trading him, flop houses, whatever you want to talk about in terms of the way Bill Belichick handled it. And he had nothing to add. I wouldn't add anything either, Bill. Just sadly, just let it die with the the victim. Let it die with the suicide. Like, let it die. Because the more yeah. you talk, you're. it is what it is. The damage is done, my friend, as the famous quote from recent Ew, Patriot Spygate Part 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yes. Um, but even Brandon Lloyd. So little backstory for those that don't know it. Brandon Lloyd has had his own issues with mental health and, and being treated for that and can have some issues at times. Mm -hmm. um, and for him to be the voice of reason and for him to talk about the craziness that was going on with Aaron Hernandez and the way he was in the locker room, I think is also eye opening. But the, the biggest issue here to me is Bill and Robert to some degree. If you believe Robert, like if you believe Robert that he was fully duped, snookered, if he, you know, believed it was going to also questionable quote, the thing when he says, did you do this? If you did, you must have had a good reason. So I'll defend. Excuse me. You like just I'll assuming? hire the best attorneys. Yes. So there's a point, folks, in what? episode six where Robert Kraft, who hits it, his strikes and stays on board a very somber tone throughout the entire episode. And then we can get to uh, the idea of whether or not you think that the Kraft sell job, the whitewash, if you will, continues because everyone keeps saying that this entire thing is a bag job and a hatchet job on Belichick being painted as the arch villain of the entire dynasty in the series. Um, do you think that, do you think that Robert Kraft would have really done something like that? And did he set up Belichick to be the villain in this episode by saying, I tried to help Aaron, but Bill, of course, you know, didn't trade him and wanted to keep him around because that was too much talent. And Bill wanted to get back to winning the way that they used to and take advantage of what he thought was the end of Brady's prime at that time. Yeah, and this ties into what I've said about the Eric Mangini persona non grata, like, but he's doing everything he thought he needed to do to win. I think they mm -hmm. all do. This gets back to the Pioli comment, the narcotic. I think Bill basically would do anything to win. And I don't say that trying to, you know, vilify him or cast stone. That's his job. That is literally his job to find any way he can to win. The best things for the football team, T-E-A-M team. And there's black, there's white. There's victory, there's losing, there's a gray area to get there, right? Like there's a, you know, which yes. boundary will you yes. push and how far will you go? And I always say this, and no one has ever specifically told me this, but I know for a fact, hundreds of players over the years had baggage that Bill Belichick coached. Could Lawrence Taylor have killed somebody? I don't want to disparage the man, but like on a hopped up drug induced, whatever, could something have gone wrong there? Are there other players from 1975 through 2023 where Belichick was like, this guy is having some issues. This guy is struggling, whatever. Mm -hmm. Did they murder anybody? No. So when you live in that world and you go through so many of these personalities and troubled, like I can tell you an example of a local player, Jordan Todman, running back, Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Patriots did a lot of legwork on him coming out of UConn as a 2,000-yard running back, kick right. returner. They feared him being too close to New Bedford, where he grew up, and maybe there being baggage and the wrong people. Uh, and, like, this is a consideration for millions of players that they go – not millions, thousands of players that they go through. And only once did it turn into, as the ominous um, voiceover guy says, could this be the NFL's first serial killer? 
which by the way, I think of serial killer in a different world. Like, no, he's a, he, like, he was a, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm told you can't use the word thug anymore, but like, he was just like a, he was a, he was kind of a low rent criminal who couldn't escape the sins of his past and the people that were bad influences on him. Right. And to your point, and the episode gets into this and folks, if this is too much spoilerific action, you can tune out, save the pod for later. Listen, after you guys watch the episodes this weekend on the Apple TV plus, but there's a lot made of like Aaron Hernandez would have thrived if he was able to get on a West Coast team like in Seattle. He may have had a long career. Who knows? He could have Maybe. found his element out there. Yeah, Oakland, San Francisco. I don't freaking know. I always feel like water finds its own level. Like, geez, Andy, are you going to tell me? Are you going to are you going to tell me that like, ah, oh, you know, uh, Fitzy just, you know, he loves his craft beers too much. Got to get him out of his house. Got to get him out of the Northeast. He loves those. Loves those vitamin C. You telling me that I'm not going to go to Florida, Arkansas, or Montana and find right. a place that makes double dry hopped IPAs? Like, no. Right. And I'm not trying to make light of what Aaron Hernandez did, people. But <laughs> he was too close to the people that became a bad influence. Like, he was on the straight and narrow until his dad dies. His dad kept him in check. And then all hell broke loose, and it became a complete shit show. And it's a tr – it's if you love storytelling and you love good, like, sports stories with pathos, tragedy, drama, excitement – the Aaron Hernandez saga is riveting stuff. It really is. And like the Patriot, like hey, they had a mur he killed somebody and then went back to work and lied to Kraft and lied to Belichick and signed a $40 million deal. Like it's fascinating that the Patriots overcame this. And you're right about Welker and Branch. Again, Branch is so good in this episode. I had heard a different story once from a player who shall not be named where Welker one time was joking with a young Hernandez. Oh yeah. Um, and said, like, hey, rookie, uh, you better bring those pads in. And then, you know, because that's they're all supposed to, like, take the veterans pads in the locker room. And Hernandez looked at him. He's like, what did you say to me? You bring your own pads in. I'll F you up. And Welker apparently was like, that's I'm done with this guy like that. Matt Light knew he was terrible. Like they all knew. They all knew they all or or they all saw signs like I won't say they knew he was a potential murderer they knew he was troubled they knew he was trouble troubled and trouble they all knew was aaron hernandez and yeah he wanted to be scarface he led and and maybe there can be studies i'm not a doctor like did he have dual personalities dual lives like any of that like i don't know there was the cte apparently was also very in addition to the bad environment and whatever maybe. he was predisposed to the maybe. cte apparently they believed was very bad yeah, and they 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 always believe that about the ones that go bad, and they don't believe that about Matt Light, who got hit in the head a lot. They don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm not all in on the CTE as the get out of, even though I joke about it. Um, it's not a get out of jail, right? You know, yeah, Fourier, well, Fourier, and Wiggy joke about it a lot. Like, like I played football, so that's my get out of jail card. I had a bad helmet, like oh, I don't remember anything. Oh, I'm an ass. I almost said a bad word. I'm an a-hole. Like, is that because I had CTE or was I born an a-hole? Like, I think there's a chance I was born an a-hole. <laughs> you are the great argument for that. I do want to say, before we talk a few elements about episode five as well, Matt Castle and the lost season, there was one great moment of levity coming out of the 2010 draft as well. It's early on in the episode. I just think everyone, in case you haven't seen it or you want to hear this, this was great. This is Gronk talking about from his perspective, uh, what happened on draft night at, when he was taken 42nd overall by the Pats? When I was drafted to the Patriots, it was a proud moment. My family came on stage as well. We got in a huddle. We were doing hoo, 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 hoo in the huddle, jumping up and down. <laughs> and 
And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from the Patriots. Hi, Rob. And they said, hey, Rob, like, you can get off the stage now. Like, enough is enough. And I'm sitting there like, wow, I'm already in trouble. It's been five minutes since I've been on the Patriots, and I'm already in trouble. I can picture Bill in that draft room just being like, why the fuck did we just draft this kid? Oh, look at this. Lord have mercy. <laughs> the Belichick having watching Gronk tackling his brothers in Belichick just going, oh, look at this. Lord have mercy. That is just perfect Bill and Gronk. I love it. The funny thing is, I don't know if Gronk cleaned it up or I was told a, a, the wrong story. I was told the very next morning that Bill Bears, whoever called, said, get the F off the stage was how it was delivered. And I'm surprised Gronk didn't deliver the story in that way. Um, but I was told immediately that that was their reaction. Get the F off the stage. Um, and that's another. So, you know, I like to get defensive and, you know, Gronk is my favorite player of all time. Combination of talent coverage. Amazing. He's amazing. Um, I actually thought this episode to make their point about Hernandez and the greatness and the decline. Gronk was the the great tight end. Hernandez was really good. He was mm -hmm. a slot receiver. He was really good. He was taking over Wes Welker's job, essentially. Um, I thought they kind of glorified Hernandez to a level that he Gronk was the all pro. Hernandez was going to be the the pro bowl or the, the annual decent good guy. He was one of those weapons that they could deploy. Remember, he would take balls out of the backfield on end arounds oh, yeah. and run, run for like absolutely. he could do anything. He, he like, absolutely he was, so, he was so good. But he was a slot receiver. He was to me. This was a, a retooling. And in the old days, it was Moss and Welker. And this was going to be Gronk and Hernandez. And Gronk was the all time great like Moss. And Hernandez was the Welker. Really great. You know, unique talent, can do a lot of things, can produce. I also think little hashback from the time. I think people scouted Hernandez poorly. You go back and watch. Every time he caught a pass on the hash or the numbers, he cut back to the inside. I don't know why anybody didn't pick up on it. The guys would always fall for it. He would cut back to the inside and he'd pick up 10 yards after catch. And I'm like, watch a little tape. He always, uh, he absolutely, Nick Chester had alligator arms. He was, he was a little soft on the football field. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I asked him about it once. And in hindsight, I was an idiot. What are you doing? Wow. What did you want? Want did you... Like, Oh, you think I have alligator arms mother? Hey, all right. I'm that's, I'm definitely, um, I'm Eric Scalavino. <laughs> I also worked out with him one day at Rodman gym, uh, um, during the lockout. No I kidding. Think, yeah. I look back on that too. Like if I had dropped a weight on him or, or drip sweat on him, like, could he have felt disrespected? Could I be now, on the See, list? I was going to ask you, that's what I wanted to get to last thing before we talk a quick castle and wrap it up. Do you have any other like recollections because you're there for basically two decades? Like what were, he, what was he nice to you? Did he present one? Cause there were guys talking about the fact that they were always on edge and fearful around him. Now they may be playing that up for the camera, but do you have any other recollections? Um, no, he was always, I think, I mean, his smile, you just have to acknowledge. They said that, you know, when they're shooting that sort of ominous green screen opening shot where it's one being mean and one smiling. Um, he had a great smile. He 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 had a good looking dude. Yeah. Great personality. The dimples like when he wanted to be on, he definitely had an allure to him. I never saw the true craziness. You knew there was an edge a little bit, but I always thought he was like a. I say of so many of them, an overgrown teenager, like a immature two sides yeah. to him and like have an edge. 
Um, but then I looked, obviously looked back, you know, asking him about having alligator arms and dropping the ball and, and things of that nature, shying away from contact, those types of things. Like at any point, could I have ticked him off the wrong way and, you know, been on some list that he puts together or put, you know, in the back of his head, he's noting things. Um, but no, did I ever think I was dealing with like, there's been guys that came through that locker room that I found much more uh, ominous and fear worthy. And he was not at the top of my list. No. Uh, and why aren't you naming Ted Washington by name? <laughs> uh, well, Ted Washington was a different beast. He was definitely scary. Um, Corey Dillon was a different beast. He was yeah. very scary. He has mellowed. So it's fascinating to see how much he's mellowed over time, but you're not the only one to have ever said like, there's a person I didn't want to get on the wrong side. He of. was a scary. MS. He's a, big mother effort too like he is oh, a, yeah still to this day it's just like our shoulders meant to be that big yeah no he's he's sort of a, a forgotten remarkable athlete contributor of this whole like he wasn't in here anywhere right he has not been mentioned i don't believe a i don't think Corey dylan got a single mention if you find him no. dynasty well like now his career is just about over like he was he broke the record mm -hmm. five years ago in dynasty timeland um also they get to the point in here where they have the Ravens loss. There's no mm -hmm. mention of the the Wes Welker injury that the the blow that took to the team, right? Like, mm -hmm. kind of Wes Welker. Yeah, a lot of those narrative elements are just caught because they're not because they're not doing the book report, as Matthew Hamachek said. I guess, but I know that's but the big. I think people's biggest peccadillo thus far, the the biggest thorn in people's junk on this is the whole like 2003, 2004 was almost done like a montage. Yeah. And and that that's part of it. I also they missed a couple um, in the Matt Castle episode, which was there was a lot of Matt Castle there. There was a, he was a central figure. Mm -hmm. um, they left out the part that when Bill says Castle says Bill told me we're not bringing anybody in. You're our guy. That's BS. They had quarterbacks on a plane headed to Foxborough, and then they told them to turn around. Bill changed his mind on that, but they initially had I want to say Tim Rattay. Don't hold me to that, but like they had veteran available quarter street quarterbacks flights were scheduled and they were coming to Foxborough. And then he had Nancy Meyer call them back and cancel the flights and turn the flights around or whatever. So no kidding. I would have included that at some point. Yeah. Uh, there is one great quote though. Um, in episode five, not to spoil anything, there was a ton of Matt castle and he deserves it because it was a great season and it still pisses me off that they went 11 and five and didn't make the postseason. Uh, castle recounts, this story about meeting up with Belichick in the film room quote. One time I didn't see a corner blitz and I get absolutely annihilated. Belichick comes in and he says, castle, can we figure out the corner blitz? Because I don't want to have to write your mother a letter that says, dear Mrs. Castle, we're sorry to inform you that your son is dead because he's a dumbass and didn't see the corner blitz. Yeah, that's a good quote. That's phenomenal. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal quote. Um, and it's very Belichickian. Having a little military yep. spin to it. Yep. Um, Randy Moss, once again, dynamite. So electric on camera. Can't ever get enough of him. Um, five is good. and But I do think they, I did think they introduced the, like, this is where Brady starts getting it. Like, am I going to get replaced? I'm going to have to, like, Brady asked if he could play without an ACL. Belichick said no. You know, I did the same thing in high school. You played through, you tried to play through an ACL? Yeah, they wouldn't let me. No. <laughs> They're but like, did you try to come back so quickly that you got um, you that you got an infection and they had to I go back not. in and 
Yeah. No, I, for, I, I forgot about Neil Elatrache having Atrache. to go back in. Atrache. Having and to go back all in. These years, I've been kind of blaming him for it. And uh, Brady took full credit for effing it up. And I yep. give him credit for doing that on the record in a situation like this. That he Good for him. Up. Yeah. Um, Castle's great. Uh, Moss is great in the episode. It's definitely a what could have been, but it kind of sets up, again, one of those moments. Spygate. Uh, Brady ACL and Castle, then Hernandez, all these moments where the dynasty teeters on just crapping out and somehow they continue to thrive and survive. So um, any last thoughts on those two episodes or just in general before we wrap it up? Well, I did think the comments from the various uh, Brady Sr., Drew, Craft, sort of acknowledging mm -hmm. that this was Tom's first taste or or scare of being replaced and being mortal football wise, even though we feel like, wow, that was a long time ago. The career he had after that 08 injury is ridiculous. Just the acknowledgement that he felt that and you tie that into something, for example, the famous Edelman Welker sideline. Hey, Welker, you ever hear a Wally Pip and that whole situation like competing Tom felt a little and insecurity can be a good thing. It can drive mm -hmm. people to be very um, hardworking and motivated and do. And it's interesting that even Tom Brady, after three Super Bowl titles, a perfect regular season, rewriting the record books in the, all the passing numbers of 07, had some insecurity. It's good to feel like Tom Brady every once in a while. Even he can be insecure. <laughs> With his perfect hair that is like probably took hours to style to get it just so it looks like he got out of bed. Oh, when and, he uh, sits there, it really is. It really is remarkable. It's a but he has, you know, I, I have purposely not finished it because I don't want to be so far ahead that it's not as fun to play along with everyone. But I got to say, he's pretty upbeat. He seems in a good place with whenever he sat down and spoke with the crew. He seems to be in a pretty good place with all of this now. Like we should all. Yeah. Whether we've gone through breakups or not, had any acrimony, if you've ever had that level of success, maybe you could appreciate it. But I like where Brady is in all this. It's unfortunate, though, that it seems like Robert Kraft wants to retell a lot of the story, and Belichick is obviously very frustrated with how he's portrayed and where he is. But um, I'm with you. You said right before we get going on the live pod here today, it's fun. Like, it's, like you, you'll have... You'll disagree with editorial choices. You will quibble with narrative er elements and the way that they edit stuff out of... Um, sort of out of sync or, and futz right. with the timeline. They'll overlook some things. The, like this found footage is incredible. These testimonials and interviews are gold. I love it. And that's just because I, I can't get enough. I remember the games. I So do you. You don't need someone to tell you how you should have felt about all this stuff. But this is all the extra filler that you haven't had a chance to, to engage with before. So that's my big takeaway. I'm still loving it. Yeah. And that, I mean, you should love it. You're the Foxborough fanboy. I'm, what do you call me? The Gridiron Grinch. Uh, I'm supposed to hate it. I'm not mm -hmm. supposed to love these types of no, the, things. Or the gridiron. Would you prefer gridiron grouch? I don't. The, I think the negativity is all uncalled for. I think I'm miscast, and I am being vilified the way Bill Belichick is being vilified. It is not fair, and I know how he feels. Our all greatness right. is being questioned for no reason. All right. Wait, what? So, ladies and gentlemen, he is uh, wildly misunderstood. That's <laughs> Jumbo Hart. Got a little typo in there. Misunderstood. <laughs> All right. I was rushing. Okay. I'm producing. I'm co-hosting. Come on. Um, it's a great watch. It's up now. Uh, next week, you'll have two more episodes, two more Fridays with two episodes. Uh, and maybe we'll have a chance in a couple of weeks to have Hamachick and Benedict on to have a final, like, why'd you make those choices and how do they feel about the feedback that they've received 
because I know they appreciate the fact that we've discussed it so much, and it's been a live part of this wild offseason for Pats Nation. All right, Andy, we talked about the revamp quarterback room, combine nuggets, uh, which veteran quarterbacks you like, burning or saving cash, Wolf of Ball Street, uh, the dynasty, anything else you want to get to, or should we wrap her up? Oh, I think we should wrap this up. This might be the longest podcast we've ever done. We're at an hour and four minutes coming up. <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly, though. It just flew by. Hey, Nick Chester, thanks for watching and participating. We love your comments along the way. Love the show. Thank you very much. Tell your friends this is a live wire of a community. <laughs> I didn't He's call a... you dumb, Jeff. I said your <laughs> idea was dumb. There is a difference. And as Andy always likes to say, he is both not for everyone and the truth is never mean. All right, for a Jumbo Heart, for our producer Justin Turpin and everyone at WEI, this is your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens. We'll be back next week with post-combine buzz, more draft talk. We'll try to sneak in one of these a week during the offseason because it's a fun place to get together and shoot the breeze and or the fluff and shit together. Whoa, whoa. Uh, thank you very much. All right. We said it a couple times during the episode. Hey, we love what you do, Mary Beth Campbell Bayon. Thank you for she tuning in die. as well. Love okay. what you guys die. Okay. <laughs> she left off the D. All right. I apologize for nothing. That's it. That's <laughs> He's Hart. I'm Fitzy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Good day. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to Six Rings. And as Bye. always, go Pats.